This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, feline friends. Welcome to Catitude. I'm your show host, Michelle Byrne. Today, we have a really, just real super special show. I have with me one of my favorite vets, Dr. Jeff. He hosts our very popular show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. If you haven't listened, you should. Dr. Jeff knows everything and anything animal. He is unbelievable in how much he knows. I, I listen to his shows and I'm always learning something. And so this show today was inspired by a listener. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There's no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Dr. Jeff. Thanks so much for being on the show with me. Today's show literally came from a listener. She had a question and I thought, that's really interesting because I don't know much about that. Let me ask an expert, which is you. I want to know about cats and anemia specifically. All right. I'm not going to say the listener's name, but her cat's name is Yin. And her cat has now had five CBC panels and a blood transfusion. Her vet still doesn't know what the story is and says there needs to be more testing. She's almost out of funds, you know, with COVID and unemployment and all this kind of stuff going on. And she doesn't have an answer. So she's frustrated with that. Her cat, Yin, is doing okay and is now regenerating red blood cells, but her cat's still not out of the woods. And so she wanted to know about anemia in cats, the cause, the symptoms, the types, and the treatment. I didn't even know cats could get an anemia. I thought it was just people. No, no, no. Cats and dogs certainly can be anemic. So basically, what does anemia mean? Anemia means that there are, is a low red blood cell count. So Dr. Jeff, what exactly is a normal red cell count for cats? Well, you know, for cats, a normal cell count, we look at it two ways. One is how many million cells there are, red cells, and it's done by the millions, so that's a lot of them. And usually in a cat, it could be anywhere from, you know, 5.2 or 3 low to, you know, 10 million high. But it's easier to gauge it as a percent. We call that either the PCV, packed cell volume, or hematocrit. And, you know, when we start looking at anemia, the normal count is actually legitimately 31 to 55 or 57%. But a good cat would be 35, 36%. If it gets below 25, we start to worry. 
Uh, if it gets below 20, we worry even more. And lower than that, I mean, I've seen some cats at 15, 14%, and they come in almost on death's door. So it's very important to keep that level high. And as we're checking to see how we're doing with any kind of treatment or just monitoring where things are going, that's the number we're looking at. We're looking at the PCV, which is very easy to check inside a vet's office. You don't have to send it to the lab. And uh, that will give us a lot of information about how the cat's anemia is faring. Now, the question is, what causes anemia? How does it happen? And um, there, again, there are a number of reasons. Number one, of course, would be blood loss. Now, for example, if a cat cuts himself badly, is hit in a, have been an accident and is losing a lot of blood, that kind of blood, you can see, you can see where it's going, all right, where it's dripping out of the body. Another type of blood loss is what happens internally. For example, if one were to have a splenic mass, all right, or a tumor that ruptures within the body, you won't see the blood on the outside, but they're still losing blood on the inside. If it's internal, would you see if the cat, I don't know, spit up? I mean, that would be if there's bleeding inside from the lungs or the gastrointestinal tract. For example, a cat with, say, an ulcer and is bleeding into the GI tract, you may see blood in the vomitus, or if it comes out the back end, depending on where the, the lesion is, then you would either see black tarry blood called melina or melina, and that is if the bleeding is in the stomach or the small intestine. So by the time it gets out the other end, it's black. If there's bleeding from the colon, then you would have what we call red blood or frank blood. That blood on the colonic side is usually not enough, usually, usually to cause anemia, but it can. Most of the time we have a bleed within, that's because of a condition, a disease, or a tumor, and they're actually bleeding in the body. And you might see what looks like a belly full of fluid, and the doctor would stick a needle into that fluid under the ultrasound and see, oh my God, that fluid is blood. That is often an emergency situation surgery needs to be done to open up and find out where is the blood coming from and why. So other than blood loss, there are two other main reasons for anemia. One is called a bone marrow problem, where the bone marrow is no longer making new red blood cells under the signal that it needs to because the body is losing red blood cells. So remember, red blood cells, like any cell in the body, has a lifespan. And the body reads the change in blood cells and says to the bone marrow, okay, bone marrow, we need to make more. And there's often the signal to make the more blood cells is basically the blood itself. And the kidney sends a signal through a kidney secretion called erythropoietin, signaling the bone marrow to make more cells. So you need healthy kidneys as well to make red blood cells through a signal to the bone marrow. The last way that major blood cell is lost is through red cell destruction. This is where the body starts looking at the red cell count and seeing it as foreign, and the body is destroying its own red cells, and that is called hemolytic anemia. So that means the body is the hemolysis, is the destruction of red cells, and that's exactly what happens with hemolytic anemia. That can be caused by many reasons. That can be an autoimmune disease. It could be a parasite or an infection-related disease. For example, when we see ehrlichiosis or Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever, these are tick-borne diseases, and they also cause anemia. So when you think about it, we're looking at 
organ disease. We're looking at cancer. We're looking at a body's own destruction, hemolytic diseases. And these all are responsible for the reasons for anemia. So therefore, that starts the search. The easiest one to rule out is an external bleed. And that is, you don't see blood all over the house. You don't see any cuts on the cat. So that one we can eliminate. So now the search begins. Do we have to do an ultrasound? Look for a mass. Look at the spleen. Look at uh, other reasons where there could be blood loss. Maybe is it coming from the GI tract? Do we have melanin or vomiting or where they're vomiting blood? If those are all normal, then you got to go to the next thing is let's do some searches for even a parasitic disease, an infection, or kidneys, or do we have a hemolytic problem? Should you do anything to keep your cat's blood count at a good level? Like, you know, for people, they said eat iron rich foods, this and that, right? Is there anything you could do for your cat or should be in the nutrients that you're giving them? You know, interestingly, you know, as far as what you can do to keep it that way, you know, a normal body does it for you. You know, we don't have to do anything. Make sure they're well nourished. Make sure that they get their exercise and you're feeding a balanced food, a balanced diet. That's really the key. And making sure their organs, are staying functional. Make sure that they are. You are avoiding the types of parasites like ticks that could cause some blood dyscrasias, meaning problems with the blood count. And maintain a good schedule of veterinary checkups. As cats get older, at least once a year. Usually, I say above the age of eight, they should be going in once a year for even if they're acting totally fine for blood tests, urinalysis, and that's the best because, you know, cats don't typically show their diseases. They don't show their problems. Kidneys, for example, they can act totally normal until at least two-thirds, three-quarters of the kidney is gone. Well, that's the problem. If you're going to wait to see a clinical sign, and then you take your test and find out three-quarters of the kidney is already shot, then there's not a lot you can do. So the important thing is don't wait for the cat to show clinical signs. Let's hit it beforehand by monitoring these values and then doing something about them if we can. So that's my recommendation. Know your cat. Know what's normal. Know when they start to become a little lethargic. We have a very scientific term we often use in veterinary medicine. It's called ADR. What is ADR? Ain't doing right. And uh, it goes back to the old, you know, farmer vets. Hey, doc, I don't know. I just, I, my cow, I, she, he, he just ain't doing right. So uh, it became sort of adopted as the, the, the term that we use when things are just not right. I can't pinpoint it, but he or she is not acting normally. ADR. Thank you. That was just a wealth of information. Thank you so much. In what case would the veterinarian need to do lab work? and more lab work, and more lab work, and without finding any prognosis? You know, it's interesting, and that's a, it's a tough question because I wasn't there looking at the lab work. If right, we see right. anemia, it all depends on, ask those questions. Do we see any vomiting? Any vomiting blood? No. Any black tarry stool? No. Any blood loss? Did, did he come himself? Did the cat have a bleed somewhere that was in a fight and lost a lot of blood? No. So there, you've, you've ruled out a lot of things right there. So then you might say, look, the next step are going to be ultrasound and expensive tests and a tick panel and checking for lichiosis and some of the other tick-related diseases. So one might say, you know what? Why is the cat still eating? Yes, the cat's eating, acting pretty normally. All right, let's do this. Let's keep a close watch on attitude and appetite, and let's recheck in about a week and see, is this going down or is this going up? If it's going up, 
then I would sit and wait and uh, do another test two, three weeks later. If it's going down, we got a problem. Houston, we have a problem. And that is where we have to start doing other tests. To just continue to repeat at that point is not wise. Now, let's say it was about exactly the same. So then one might say, look, we haven't gotten any worse. So imagine what I would say to myself, if we had one of these other conditions, kidney failure, parasitic disease, hemolytic anemia, by now with doing nothing treatment-wise for a week or two, and we're still the same, it's probably not those. I wouldn't say 100%, but I would say, you know what? Maybe the cat, whatever happened, just needs more time to rebound. So let's go ahead and repeat it again in another two weeks as long as the cat's not showing any of the other primary signs. Okay, I got then, it. Then by the third test, I would say, no, we need to, even though we're not getting worse, we need to do a better job. We need to even, as insofar as go do a bone marrow, all right, count and stick a needle into the bone marrow and do what's called a bone marrow aspirate. We need to evaluate kidney levels. So then it would be more than just the CBC, a complete blood count. We would do a tick titer. We would find out what else might be causing. First of all, is the cat an indoor-outdoor cat? If the cat's only indoors, ah, tick tight, and you're not inviting any ticks into your home, and you haven't brought any ticks into your home, then that would be lower on my list of possibilities. So whenever it comes to diagnostic medicine, you have to ask yourself a lot of questions. You have to rule things in just as fast as you rule them out based on history and physical and likelihood. And that's where many veterinarians who specialize or have just more experience, I call it you know, knowledge and wisdom. What's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Experience. So that's where I think it makes a difference. So if you handle a case using some wisdom, just as much as you're trying to rule things out, you're all, uh, rule things in, you're also ruling a lot of other things out as possibilities. Okay. And then besides what you've talked about, what are some symptoms that people can look out for? I mean, you don't want to create something when there's nothing, but what are some overall symptoms other than the obvious blood loss, you know, from a wound, from the mouth, from the bottom part? What else? I did a little Google searching, which is not always the best, but um, they said, you know, pale gums and, right. you know, what are some other symptoms? Just so pale gums, look at the whites of the eyes. What everyone should know is what their cat's normal gum color, tongue color looks like. And when you look at the whites of the eyes called sclera, we're going to see normally more vessels in cats and dogs' eyes than we see in our own, okay? When the sclera, the whites of the eyes look really pale. You don't see the same amount of vessels. Even if you took a picture just to remind you what it looks like normally, then you can recognize anemia. Now, when looking at the gums, when there is some red cell destruction within the body because of many factors, hemolytic anemia, a poison. For example, if a cat gets a hold of rat poison, that causes bleeding. You'll see what's called petechiation. You'll see polka dots on the inside of the ear flap red polka dots in the gums. You look at the gums. You might see some bruising along the body where there's no hair. So check the groin. Looks like a black and blue mark or again, petechiation. If you see that, that is a sign of problems with platelets and the coagulation issues. So the blood stops coagulating and it starts leaking into these tissues and we see those symptoms. Um, look at general energy. 
If the cat is lethargic or the cat starts to seem to more, more trouble breathing, it's because the tissues, the lungs are not getting enough oxygen. Why? Because oxygen is carried by the red blood cells. So you're going to have an animal that is becoming more lethargic, less energetic, the maybe breathing more, more difficulty because they are not getting enough oxygen. So that in is also is a sign that one could look for. So it's general malaise, energy, breathing patterns, petechiation, paleness in the gums, and of course, as you mentioned initially, an obvious loss of blood, melanin or red blood coming out of the uh, stool, out of the, on the feces. Okay, thank you so much. I'm sure Yin's mama is going to love this episode and so many others because this is, you know, it's, I mean, I know I said in the beginning, I didn't even think cats could get anemia. I mean, obviously, I feel like saying, duh, you know, any living thing with blood, I guess, could, but you don't think of it. You think more, oh, people, especially women, you know, oh, I'm anemic. You just don't think, oh, my cat's anemic, you know, and this has been so interesting. All right, I have another question for you, but let's take a short break and we'll be right back. Molly, here's your dinner. (coughs) Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your cat tree tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Dr. Jeff, and this is part two. And we're going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to I think most pet owners' hearts that is affordable health care for animals, meaning especially prescriptions. I know there's insurance. I know that you know you do some great work with Airvab. Specifically, let's talk prescriptions. Okay. Why are they so much more expensive for animals? You can sometimes get the same you know, one for a person and it costs maybe 20 bucks. You go to get it for your pet and it's something crazy like a thousand dollars. Why is that? So, you know, the prescriptions vary so much. First of all, you have to look at the source. Um, And like anything, the buying power allows companies that resell products to sell them less expensively. Also, you got to think this one, most of the prescriptions that we get, we have some sort of prescription plan. And Those, if you look at that, if you bought that same medication from a pharmacist on the human side and without that plan, it's going to be 10 times as much. In fact, that's how they balance out. They're getting no subsidized from other agencies. They're not getting the great prices. So how do they make it up? When the patient calls in or the doctor's office calls in for a prescription for a human and the human doesn't have one of these prescription plans, that price is triple. My wife had something that on the, with the plan it was $12. Without the plan, it was $50. So we don't have that. Now, in veterinary medicine, the other thing that, we're, that veterinarians are now 
I would say not losing business, but becoming more competitive. Why? Because you have a lot of online pharmacies. And what online pharmacies can do is, for example, a small animal practice, my practice, if I buy, I might buy 10 boxes of something. They're buying 10,000 boxes of something from the distributor or directly from the manufacturer. So who's getting a better price on those boxes? The guy who's buying 10 or the one that's buying 10,000? So it trickles down effect. The cheaper that that large organization was able to buy it for, then they pass that savings on to their customer, who then passes it on, who's a vet, who then passes it on to the consumer. So it got to the point in veterinary medicine where many small animal practices couldn't compete. The client could buy it from this online pharmacy for cheaper than the veterinarian can buy it from the distributor. So there's going to be a, see a huge difference. So many veterinarians say, you know what? First of all, I don't want to bother with this. Why don't we send you to the online pharmacy? Another thing that we see of are called buying groups. A lot of veterinarians now are becoming members of a buying group. So instead of that doctor only buying for his practice and getting that 10 box price, when they go from their buying group, they're getting a, a 5,000 box price. And then they buy it less expensively, they can pass that savings on. So another thing, there's so much going, it's so, so complicated. But I have another question too, because what my listener sent in and she said that she went to a drugstore and the script for the cat was $1,000. The script for her, it was self-pay. So she didn't have a plan or anything, was 18. So I'm wondering if the formulation is different. No, the formulation depends on the drug. If it was just an antibiotic, uh, it's no different. She shouldn't have said cat. But that's, again, this is how they do it. I often send people to a human pharmacy. And by the way, there are some pharmacy cards that people could pick up for free or very little cost that will give them those prescriptions at a much lower rate. And they're subsidized by that company because they're charging often for their card. And you know, there's a lot of give and take here. Uh, some of these cards will get benefits from the pharmacy, the chain of pharmacies to recommend their pharmacy when you use our card. So now this pharmacy has access to information about that client. And all of a sudden, that client or that patient is getting all sorts of mail and rebates and stuff from the pharmacy chain. I don't want to mention name, but there's one that you know is a structure of your home and a color. And um, so there's no such thing as a free lunch. Somebody's paying for it. And if it, sometimes it's us as the end user, sometimes it's the middle user, the distributor, who then passes that savings on to the end user. But also don't know when certain drugs are on, there is a patent on medication. When that patent is created, and it's, a, it's given by the US patent agency, they, the company has usually seven years where nobody can compete with that product. But once that seven years is up, what happens? Now all the generic companies come out with their same version. So the reason why some of these drugs are so expensive is they know they have to get payback, all right, from their, their manufacturing process, from their R&D, all right, which is research and development. And that costs a lot of money, millions and millions of dollars. So they're saying to themselves, you know what? We got to recoup that money. I only got seven years to do it. So boy, we are going to charge those prices because we know after seven years, this generic company and that generic company, they're all going to create their own version of that drug. And then all the prices are coming down. Are there a lot of generics for pets? Can you ask for 
generic at your vet? Oh, sure. I mean, let's, uh, you know, I can mention some names. Let's take Remedil. All right. One of my favorite non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Now you can get Carprofen, Vetprofen, Novox. They're all the same drug, Carprofen, and it's, they're less expensive. So even the price of Remedil, the brand has come down. But one might ask, for example, let's say you're looking at a human product that you can get over the counter at Walgreens. Let's say Benadryl. Let's say Imodium. Now, if you look right next to Imodium or right next to Benadryl, you're going to have that pharmacy's brand sitting right in the shelf. That'll even a little card that says compare to, and there's a $2 difference. So one might ask, why, why is a brand name still there $2 more? Why are people buying it? And the answer is there are a lot of people that don't trust some of these generic companies. Two milligram loperamide is not the same as Imodium. And diphenhydramine, 25 milligram, is not the same as Benadryl, 25 milligram. Well, guess what, folks? It is. But there's the whether it's manufactured, there's certain trust that people develop in a name brand and are willing to pay an extra dollar to get that trust. So these companies have come down with the brands. They have reduced their fees to be somewhat competitive, but they're still probably going to be more expensive than the generic brand. Thank you. That's really informative. Do you think there's ever going to be a time, maybe in the near future, hopefully, when insurance for pets, I know they have insurance for pets now, and it's still costly, and it doesn't cover, it's not even close to what it covers for humans. Do you think there'll ever be a time maybe in the next decade, because we're becoming pet households, our pets live longer, they're our kids, they're, you know, we spend a fortune on them, and it would be nice to spend less of a fortune and maybe have more pets, you know, do you think there'll be ever a chance sometime soon that, you know, insurance for pets will change to even get as close to what it is for humans? I think to answer the question, which is a great question, is, you know, how can we get the uh, payback, the insurance to cover more costs or a larger percent of costs? It's a numbers game, Michelle, all about the numbers. I always say this, that insurance companies are kind of like a Las Vegas casino. What do I mean by that? I mean that you've, I'm sure, man, we go to Vegas for our, our trade shows, right? So you've heard of maybe yourself, maybe friends that had just a great weekend in Vegas and they came back a winner. Oh my God, I won two grand. I won five grand. That's amazing. But if you look at the majority, not look at the individual, look at the numbers, who wins, the player or the house? The house. All right. And I'm risk adverse, so, so, but the house. <laughs> of course they are. So the house is banking that you're going to spend more in premiums than they're going to spend, right, on payouts. So that's exactly how the insurance company is working. Sometimes you're going to have one who put their premium in whatever it is, 60, 70 bucks, 100 bucks a month, and all of a sudden their dog comes out with cancer, spends $15,000, and they get 80% of that paid out by the insurance company, and they're walking around saying, oh my God, insurance is fantastic. I love pet insurance. I'm so glad. But right now, I think only 2% only 2% of the pet parenting population have pet insurance. So what's happening is there are not enough numbers in the, in the house category, i.e. the insurance of the players, the number of people playing, i.e. the number of people buying insurance for the insurance to be more favorable for the payout because they have to make sure from their actuarial tables that they're going to take in more money than they're going to spend out. Well, they're not taking in more money yet. Therefore, they're not going to spend it out. And there will come a time when there is. Now, one of the things I often offer to my clients, and first of all, my tagline for insurance, you're going to need it the most when you don't have it. So 
I think everybody should have pet insurance of some form. What do I mean by of some form? And that's where I talk as an option, and it's just an option of what we call self-insuring. What does that mean? That means that instead of paying that 60, 70, 80, $100 a month to one of the insurance companies, you open up a savings account at your bank, interest bearing, and it's Bowser's account. And religiously, you have no choice. You can't save it every single month. Just like you'd have to make the premium payment, you make the payment to Bowser at the bank account. And after the first year, I'd just take even numbers, you got 50 bucks a month, let's say. After a year, you got 600 bucks in there. And then after two years, you got 1,220 with the very little insurance you get nowadays in a savings account. And after three years and four years, before you know it, five, six years later, and you don't use it for routine care. You're using it for the rainy day. You're using it for the big accident. You're using it for the cancer. Now you got $5,000 put away. All right. And now you need it when the dog's nine, 10 years old and it has a bout of insurance. How's that severe kidney infection, liver infection? And you have some money put away to help pay for that high veterinary bill. Is it as good as insurance? No. But if you don't need it and heaven forbid something happens and the dog dies, or you choose because the prognosis is so poor that you're not going to sink $5,000 into it, because even if you did, you're still not going to add much to the pet's life. You don't want the pet to suffer. So you say, you know what, doc, it's time. So now you got $5,000 left in that account. Who does it belong to? Your next pet. Right. Or well, it you. it belongs to you, right? Rather than that you. So the insurance companies out. are banking, of course. The next pet. That, or it's the theirs. The pets that are there, you know? And that's why I get a lot of complaints from clients that the insurance companies look for every single excuse in the book to not pay. Oh, that it pre-existing. You didn't have a waiting period. This and that and the other. We don't cover that. It's routine. It's congenital. And before you know, you're saying, what did I do this for? So I just want people to know you need something. And if it's insurance, do the insurance. But here, I could talk easily, right? Because I don't have to have pet insurance. <laughs> I got me. One perk of being a veterinarian. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And at least, you know, you have so many rescue. How many new rescues do you have now? So I have 10 animals. Okay. So you're doing your share. Yeah. And nine out of the 10, all six cats and three of the four dogs are rescues. Wow. So that's pretty good. Uh, that's all we have time for today. What a great, great guest, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And uh, again, our listeners can hear you at Catitude and also anything and everything cats, oh, specifically cats. We're going to get you to do pets at some point. But I know we, you're a little cat bias, but that's uh, people think I'm cat biased too because I have six of those. I only have four dogs. So uh, anyway, we will see you here next week. Same bat time, same bat channel here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. You can reach me and any questions you may have because we love to hear from you live. You can join us on Zoom. And that is Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. We're here every Sunday morning, nine in the West and noon in the East and anything in between. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. And as I said, if there are any topics you want to hear about, you can always reach me uh, at Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. And if you have a medical question that is personally, you need help now, look for me on AirVet and I will be happy to register on AirVet and I can get back to you. Just put in Jeff's telehospital and I can be your personal concierge doctor. And I would love to do that. Well, I hope everyone listening has really enjoyed the show. I did. I learned a great deal of information. I want to thank Dr. Jeff for chatting with us on Catitude and explaining about anemia, talking about affordable health care for pets, and I hope you enjoyed the show. So if you liked listening to Dr. Jeff, and he is the knowledge man, he knows 
so much about animals. It's unbelievable. On Sunday, he has a live show. It's at 12 noon on Eastern time. Just go to PetLifeRadio.com, ask the vets with Dr. Jeff, and there'll be a link to get you onto the show. It's always wonderful having Dr. Jeff on the show because I learn so much and I get to share so much with everyone listening. I want to give a special shout out to the listener that inspired this show. Hopefully you don't mind that I use your name, but her name's Michelle too. And she did inspire this show and it was so informative, so much great info. So hopefully it gave all of you cat people, cat lovers, some great info too. I want to thank my guest, Dr. Jeff, and you can listen to his show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Thanks to my producer, Mark Winner, for making me and my guest sound amazing. And thanks to my cat crew, who thankfully for the most part is healthy, except for Dennis got a little boo-boo, but he's fine. It's minor. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It's minor. So thanks to Dennis, Charlotte, and Molly. And thanks to Sammy and Jethro, my cat crew, and uh, Nikki the dog for keeping everybody in line with his big yap. And hey, thanks to everybody listening to Catitude for making Catitude such a popular show out there. So keep listening. We have a lot of great shows coming up. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.